debate on News Radio 930 WFMD. I'm Troy Skinner, uh, hosting this show for a long time now, and I've got a rare treat. Uh, last week's show, the week before that, this week's show, and hopefully at least one more show after this, maybe a couple more shows after this. We'll have to see how kind of scheduling works. But uh, Dr. Russell T. Fuller is uh, on the show, and I'm emphasizing the T. If you hear him in other interviews, he doesn't typically emphasize the T, but his website is russelltfuller.com. So I want you to remember what his web address is. So it's Dr. Russell T. Fuller. He's on the show. If you missed the last two weeks, it's it's a dynamic uh, Q&A interview kind of a thing with a great backstory of a profile in courage in a highly charged, highly political situation uh, in a Christian context at a uh, ostensibly Christian <laughs> seminary. Ostensibly might be mean, but do you understand what I'm saying here? And he had to make a hard choice that was going to cost him his job. He made that choice. It cost him his job. And now we're, this week we're talking about the aftermath, the immediate aftermath of that. If you missed the last two shows, I'd encourage you to go find them on podcasts. You can link to those through householdoffaithinchrist.com. That's probably the easiest way to, to access all the various ways of listening to the podcast. So picking up where we left off, we already began some of the immediate aftermath. The, the uh, Southern Seminary tried to get you to sign a non-disclosure agreement or a non-disparagement agreement, in fairness, that's what they call it. <laughs> and uh, you didn't sign it, and so you lost benefits and all sorts of financial uh, perks that go along with... Uh, in my view, you should have been your due and they were taken from you. Okay, that's water under the bridge. And so you don't sign this agreement and you end up going public in a pretty public way, talking yes. to somebody who's been at kind of, if not at the tip of the spear, along that leading edge of the spear in these fights, John Harris with Conversations That Matter. He's got a YouTube channel. He's written a couple of books now on some of these issues and stuff. And he's a, he's a good voice. He's a good man on these sorts of things. So you do the interview with him. Now the next thing I guess we to talk about the response to those interviews you did with John Harris. Right. Yeah, let me just say a couple of things about the John Harris interviews. Uh, it was right during COVID, so it was really difficult uh, getting all the uh, things together for us to have the interview. But once we have the interview, John tells me, okay, we're going to drop these interviews over a week period. So there's three interviews, they're going to be dropped and so forth. And he asked me, he says, what, are, what do you think they're, how they're going to respond? And I said, um, they'll, ta- they'll attack me personally, but the details of the professors that I'm saying are teaching critical race theory. Uh, and also we had Black Lives Matter stuff being promoted in classes as well, by the way, which uh, that's another issue. But anyway, <laughs> it's, it's related, though. Then, again, we had t- uh, professors teaching postmodernism. We had teachers uh, teaching Bible as mythology and so forth. And so I said, what they'll do is they, they will not they will not address any of my statements directly because they can't. I have it in writing. It's on the Internet and so forth. They will not challenge that. They'll attack me personally is what they'll do. That's all they can do. Because they, they cannot debate this. They can't debate this. Because the facts weren't on their side, so they're going to just Correct. a bunch of bluster. That's right. So I, uh, John tells me then, he goes, well, I'll tell you what they're going to do. They're going to attack me, and they're going to start calling me a neo-Confederate and, and so forth, which sort of surprised me. I thought, you mean you're going to attack the interviewer? So I had a little bit of doubt in my mind that John was right on that. Yeah, having done this show as long as they have and some of the pushback I've gotten on less politically charged issues, 
That's so true because the, the accusation, I'm sure, was, John, how would you platform such a guy? You must be a bad guy yourself, and we're going right. to out you too. That's what they were going that's, for. That's what they were doing. So if, if, you, if you watch my interviews with John Harris, which, again, you can see them on YouTube. On the last one, I told John Harris, and again, you can watch this. I said, listen, if any of the people who were in that room that day I gave the speech against Matt Hall, including Al Mohler, would like to publicly debate me on this, I'll be more than happy. We'll have a, you know, a, a correct uh, a debate platform. We'll follow it. I'll be more than happy to publicly debate anybody in that room, any of the full professors, or Al Mohler himself in particular. I'll be more than willing to go on the public record. We can do this live on YouTube. Let's have a public debate. But I said, that, let me tell you, John, none of them will do it. Not one of them. And of course they did, and, and, but they did give a response. And their response was a series of four interviews. And you can see these on YouTube. And they're really quite hilarious because they get these guys on that I went after and said, look, they're teaching heretical doctrine. And they, they'll say to them like, you believe the Bible, don't you? Yes, I believe the Bible. Okay, good, good, good. And you know, tell us your story of your life and so forth. But they would never say, hey, Russell Fuller says you said this respond to that. Russell Fuller pointed out in your book that you're teaching critical race theory. Show us where Russell Fuller is wrong on this. They never even mentioned my name on any of the ones. And what I found was really interesting, if you go to YouTube, if you look at my uh, interviews with John Harris, there's a list of comments from the people, both pro and con, those who love the interview, those who did not like the interview. Southern Seminary wouldn't let anybody comment on theirs. They were so canned. They were so... Um, oh, they turned off comments. Oh, yeah, no, no comments. No comments. No comments. Because it, it was a PR stunt, and it really backfired on them. It backfired so badly that when Tom Rush, the trustee who would become upset and, and say, look, Russell Fuller's right, what he's telling you is the absolute truth. When he did that, they didn't respond to Tom Rush's. They had learned their lesson that the way they were responding was a disaster. But again, they won't publicly, uh, and none of the guys in the room will come out publicly and say, Russell has this wrong. They won't say it publicly. They'll say it you know, privately and so forth. But they won't in any way, in a public manner, say I'm wrong. Because again, I have laid out, that I've written about it, I've shown in their dissertations and in their books where this was wrong. So this is not debatable. Okay. So it's got to make you feel good in, in the moment. You're like, yeah, okay, I feel intellectually vindicated, and you know the, the evidence is clearly on my side, and so I've I've won the debate. But you're still without a job. <laughs> oh yeah. And so in the abstract, it feels good, but in the practical, it's like. Okay, I got to explain this to my wife, and there's all those sorts of things, but I'm going to kind of spoil the ending a little bit. There is a happy ending on this, but before we pivot to talking about that happy ending, we've now heard the last two, almost two and a half shows now of the faith debate, all this drama, all this turbulence. I mean, you admit it, you're speaking against what the school is doing, and you're shaking. You can have that moment of self-doubt, like, can I really do this? Maybe I should chicken out last minute. Yeah. And somehow you screwed up the courage to do the right thing in spite of all the odds and all the power players, power brokers really involved in all of this. Right. What I know the easy answer. The easy answer is, well, the Holy Spirit. Yeah. 
And that's true. That's why it's the easy answer. It's true. But there are a lot of men and women for that matter, but men in your situation that I think are believers, or I have no reason to doubt that they're actual believers. There might have been men, you said a third of the people voted the right way-ish, right? And a third, two-thirds didn't. The two-thirds who didn't, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're not actually believers, but they were going against their conscience maybe, or they didn't have the insight, uh, they weren't availing themselves to the insight that the Holy Spirit could bring. What was different about you and the others, because they were probably nervous too, what was different about you? And this isn't you like patting yourself on that. What's some of your backstories or anything that you can think of that made you and the others who joined you voting the right way and, and taking the stand publicly? You know, well, some of them have done this publicly, but they're taking the stand and doing the right thing. What's different? What was missing for the others? You know, I can't tell you what's missing from the others. Uh, it's very difficult. I, I think, you know, now some of them I did speak to later, and they they would admit what I said was the truth. I, uh, they, but they didn't vote with you. No. Oh, no. Even though they would admit. Well, so do they regret that now? Are they repentant for that? They realize they voted with the lie? I, I'll just say it this way. I, I voted in support of a lie. That, that's what they have to admit to themselves. If they're saying you had the truth, then they have to admit logically they voted with the lie. Is there any contrition? Uh, no. I think they like their job a whole lot. <laughs> this doesn't sound mean. I'm going to get maybe hate mail, but now maybe I need to retract what I said before. Maybe they're not Holy Spirit filled. I mean, if they don't, if they're not convicted, even at this stage of things, with so much more has come out, and they're even going to go so far as to say, "Hey, Russ, my good buddy, you were right." The next thing coming out of their mouth should be, and I was so wrong, and I'm so sorry. I, I know God will forgive me because I've asked him for forgiveness. I'm trusting in his grace and mercy, and I and I hope you can forgive me as a brother in Christ. Those should have been the next words out of their mouth, and that wasn't. That's very pastorally, very concerning to me. But let me, let me just, well, about me, just, I'll just tell you this. I've noticed being a Christian since 1975 and being in academics for quite a few years, I've noticed many schools moving away from the faith. And then when you look at history, you see many denominations, you see many schools going away from the faith. Yeah, there's always a slide, and it's never in the conservative direction. <laughs> there's a slide to the left, and then you got to fight to pull it back in the right direction. Correct. And so to me, I really felt at the end of the day, there was, there was a couple of issues. And this is why I, I spoke out. One, I'm sitting here knowing that these guys will corrupt students, and yet I'll do nothing. I say I love these students, and yet I, I would. People are corrupting them, and they did corrupt, and they're still corrupting them. And I don't warn these students. I don't do anything on their behalf to uh, protect them. This, this is unacceptable. So that's, I've got to love my neighbor, right? Uh, that's a big one thing right there. I've got to love my neighbor. But the next one is very big to me, too. It was, here's the way I felt, no joke. Do I love my job more than I love the Lord? Now, I know that... So the two things are the, the answer to the question, what's the greatest command? Love God and love your neighbor. Those were the two things. I honestly felt if I didn't stand up and say what I said, I was being unfaithful to the Lord. And to be quite honest with you, I wouldn't be able to sleep at night. Um, there was just no way. 
So they're using. I was already having trouble sleeping. I was already. I knew if I don't say something. And could you sleep better in the immediate aftermath? Absolutely. When it was, uh, you know, now still, I have some dreams about it. I'll, I'll be quite a little post-traumatic stress disorder. <laughs> a little bit of dreams about it. But no, I can at night. I can lay down and I can say, look, I might not have done everything perfectly, and I can always go back and do stuff better, you know. But at the end of the day, if you if you were to say to me, would you go back and do it over again so that you could, you know? I really wouldn't, because first of all, if I went back and did it again, I'd probably make some other mistakes. But no, I would have. I would do the same thing. I knew I was going to lose my job, so what? If I wanted to keep my job, I knew how to play the game. So you did the right thing, and now I ask this next question knowing the answer, but I'm going to ask it yeah. anyway. Let me just tell you one oh, more go, go story. Um, one time, a student. Uh, I, I, a student looks at me and he says to me, um, I hear we're hiring a new Old Testament uh, professor. And he was the one who teaches the Bible's teaching mythology. His name is Dominic Hernandez. And uh, he says, what do you think about that hire? And I, I couldn't just say, oh, no, it's, it's okay. Everything's just fine. I shook my head, no. And then I said to him, he teaches that the Bible teaches mythology. That's unacceptable. And the student looked at me and said, Dr. Fuller, that's why I asked you. I knew I'd get a straight answer. So one time when they were, uh, when I was being called into the office and being uh, taken over the coals for my stand, I, the student did not turn me into the administration. I did. And I said, look, I said, let me make something very clear to you guys. If any student comes up to me and asks me about this professor, and they come in good faith, I'm going to tell them the truth and tell them this guy is outside. And I was told, you can't do that. If you do that, we'll fire you. And I said, you might as well fire me today. Because if any student asks my opinion, they're going to get the truth. I will not lie to these students. That's what I said. And that got the wrath of the administration, Al Mohler and the administration on me. So uh, again, I knew I was going to get fired. <laughs> and there's an example of why Dr. Russell T. Fuller is on the Faith Debate program today. You can find him online at russelltfuller.com. This is the Faith Debate. I'm Troy Skinner. You can find me online, householdoffaithinchrist.com. Of course, we're on WFMD, so you can follow along at wfmd.com as well. So started to playfully tease a second ago. I already know the answer to this question. We're going to ask it anyway. And I'm going to ask it the way I'm going to ask it anyway, even though I know the answer. Clearly, a man of such strong principles and a commitment to maintaining a high-level, uh, high-caliber character. Fire me if you have to, gosh darn it, I'm going to do the right thing. Clearly, that means you must have your whole life been a Christian, grown up in a Christian church, and you had a foundation very, very early. Your, your whole family was a church-going, Bible-believing, Bible-thumping, God-is-the-truth kind of situation. Am I right? Uh, no, I was not <laughs> raised in a Christian home. Uh, my parents, uh, you know, I'm still, uh, they're the greatest. I loved my parents, but I was not raised in a Christian home. Uh, I'll tell you what, I, I used to, when, I, when my father, for some reason, would take me from ch to church from time to time. 
before we used to go to Atlanta Falcon football games. And from time to time, do you mean like on Christmas and Easter or a little more than that? No, a little bit more than that. Every, and every, every time we went to a football game, for some reason, I think it was the way he was brought up, he felt, well, we better go to church before we go to the football game. Don't ask me what, don't ask me to explain. He's like paying some sort of penance again. <laughs> That's right, before, that, before you do it. And, uh, and I remember the pastor preaching about Abraham and honestly, and I, I'm, not, I'm not joking with you. I thought he was talking about Abraham Lincoln. I thought, man, I didn't know Lincoln was such a good guy, you know. And, uh, but that's what, how little I knew about the Christian faith. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't hardly tell you the difference between Jesus and Moses. But when a, a friend of mine in school one day, I was a good friend with him, he says, hey, you want to go to church with me tonight? I'm like, yeah, I'll go to church with you. And I heard the gospel that night. And all of a sudden it was like, whoa! All of a sudden, it was like, one time I was, nothing made sense. And then when I heard the gospel at age 15, it was like, I didn't understand it fully. But yet, the Holy Spirit just got a hold of me. And it was like, yes, I am in in sin. I need to repent of my sins and turn in faith to Christ Jesus, who died on my behalf in order that God would see his righteousness, not mine, because I have no righteousness. Now, at age 15, you can't rack up as much sin as, you know, uh, as someone else who's had more years, obviously. But man, at that point, I felt like, I mean, I truly deserved hell for all eternity, but Christ took my place. And now, because of what he did, God can accept me. And that was unbelievable, you know. And, And after that, you know, I tried imperfectly, but tried to live the Christian life. And I wish I could say that I always stood for the truth, stood for what's right, you know, all my years. There were times where, you know, if I could go back, I should have said something then. Or, you know, so I don't want people to think out there, you know, Fuller was always... You know, and hopefully I'm not giving that impression. Yeah. I'm just saying this was a highly charged, dramatic situation in your life. Sure. And you did the right thing when so many others didn't in that moment and haven't in similar moments, which explains a lot of what's wrong in the world today when people will not take a stand for what is right and true. And so I'm curious as a follow-up to see your friend invites you to church, you hear the gospel and you're like transformed. So did you immediately start going to church with your friend every week after that? Yeah, I did. Uh, Immediately I'm going to church every week, which my parents are like, what's going on here? And then I start doing something. I start reading the Bible. I start studying it very seriously. You know, I would, uh, all of a sudden, you know, I was going to just a, a, a big secular uh, high school down in the, in the Atlanta area, and people knew I had changed, and they would ask me questions, and I felt I had to answer those questions. So I was driven to study, and I wasn't the greatest student. I would study the sports pages. I could, I can still tell you almost all the numbers of the Minnesota Vikings in 1969, but let's not do that tonight. Uh, I'll give you one. Uh, uh, Bill you were from Georgia. Why the Minnesota Vikings? Falcons <laughs> <laughs> were terrible back in those days. But anyway, uh, and they're still not very good. But um, uh, so anyway, I, I started really studying the Word of God and. And that was the rest of my life. So, so for since basically 1975 to today, nothing 
I want to do more than study the Word of God and now teach the Word of God like I've done for almost 30 years now. When we started this track of our conversation, you mentioned that your dad would take you to church on occasion yeah. as a down payment towards a future penance he would have to pay for going to a football game. Uh, so he would have, I guess, identified at least nominally as a Christian. Nominally. There was no evidence of him being committed to it, but if somebody asked him, were you a Christian, he would have said yes. Probably, right? Because he was a churchgoer. Probably. Probably would. Okay. Yeah. You said your dad specifically, because I'm wondering, did your mom go to church with you, or where was she on No, this? she wasn't at that time. Now she is a professing Christian today, where in the past that was not true. You know, I didn't know her to really profess. And that become the case for your father as well? No, not really. Uh, my mother, yes. My father, no. And, and he passed on... Uh, just last year, but, but he had had dementia for a long time, so it was a very difficult situation. Wow. Well, the irony, right? Your dad's the one who actually took you to church, at least on occasion, and now you have reason to wonder. I mean, I don't know how you feel about this. God knows for sure those who are his, and we're not in a position to say, but you don't have any strong reason to be hopeful about his eternal destiny, but you can kind of hope against hope that he's among the elect kind of thing, right? So, so your mom has become, I'm assuming, rather devout, being your mom, right? She feels at least some pressure from her son. Was your conversion related to hers? No, not at the time, no, no. She wasn't one of the ones noticing a change in you and asking no, no, you a question? No, she, I think she recognized a change in me as well, but still, it would be years later before you would start to see some fruit in, in her life and so forth. Because you're 15, you decide, you know what? I think I'm a Christian. <laughs> and you become serious and you dive in and now you do know the difference between Moses and Jesus. <laughs> and you know that Abraham in the Bible is not Abraham Lincoln and all these really cool light bulbs start going off in your head. And so you graduate from high school and at that point, do you know, I'm somehow gonna do professionally something that's related to church work or you weren't sure yet? Not quite sure yet. I went in and my, my undergrad degree is in business, but at that school, what I did notice is people carrying around these Greek New Testaments. And I looked at those things and I'm like, that. You saw these where? At the school I went to. Uh, I it was a secular school? No, 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 not, no. I went to a Christian school. Oh, okay. Okay. And so I. You I, gobsmacked I, me there for a minute. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so I got a. Um, Again, I, I, my degree is in business, and then, but I saw these guys carrying around Greek New Testaments, and I said, that's what I want to be able to read. And so I, after I got my degree in that, uh, I worked one year at Georgia Pacific at their headquarters downtown. So you took Greek while you were getting your bachelor's? Correct. Gotcha, okay. Selective, and I really enjoyed it. And so after working one year at Georgia Pacific's headquarters down in Atlanta at the time, uh, they're not there anymore. Um, the building is, but not the, not, they're not there. And um, I went back and started doing work in Greek and Hebrew and really spent the rest of my life studying Greek and Hebrew and Old Testament. So you get your bachelor's from a Christian school. You didn't mention the name of it. Didn't... Bob Jones University. Oh, okay. Yeah, so hardcore, hyper-conservative reputation, yeah. right? So uh, you weren't dealing with any liberalism there. Uh, and to this day, you're not going to deal with any liberalism there to my knowledge. So that gave you kind of an ideological, conservative, biblical spine that probably served you well, I it would did. imagine. They especially gave me, you know, I would read people like Machen there and others who had taken stands. Machen lost his job. You know, he was kicked out of Presbyterian Church USA and so forth. So I'd read about these guys and... I noticed they took, you know, they took stands, and uh, so a lot of the people I was reading uh, at 
Bob Jones and even on my own, um, I, I thought were great people of the faith. And so I thought, you know, hey, looking back, do you think that that is part of what became formative for you when oh, you needed to take a stand? Oh, you yeah, no question. No question. Um, you know, Bob Jones University, like any school, had its faults, okay? And, uh, but yet, uh, they at least exposed me to some very good Christian literature, for which I'm greatly indebted to them for that, you know? Very cool. We're going to have to pause there, because believe it or not, this episode is now over the faith debate. Dr. Russell T. Fuller, online at russelltfuller.com. I'm Troy Skinner. Find me online at householdoffaithinchrist.com. And, of course, we're on WFMD, so go to the website for the radio station as well, wfmd.com. We'll uh, continue this conversation on next week's edition of the faith debate about a 167 and a half hours from right now. God bless. Mm-hmm.